There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia, and welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here with John Pigeon, and today my guest is indeed John Pigeon. We're doing a bit of a different one today. feel like it's been over two years since John and I have co-hosted the podcast, and as we were discussing what to talk about on today's episode, I said to John, can I interview you? Because there's a lot of things that I think the general listenership don't quite know. And even I might learn something about you as well. It's going to be property related, but also a couple of personal questions. So hope you're up for it, John. What do you reckon? I'm always up for it, Emily. Hopefully not too personal, but we'll give it a go, will we? (laughs) You can always say no comment. I feel that's a very, you know, generic, no comment. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay, John. I've got a series of questions, but I feel like one's going to lead down a rabbit hole, you know, after another. So we'll just go with the flow for this episode. Hopefully you guys are strapped in and ready for some intel on John. (laughs) First question for you, John, is a pretty basic one to get started. It's a good warm up. Tell us, where was your first property purchase? And as many details as you'd like to share about that property purchase as you wish. Mm. Okay, so for the long-time listeners, uh, I apologise because you probably already know this, but um, for, for those that have been here in the last couple of years, um, my first purchase was straight out of university. I moved uh, to Horsham, country Victoria, and thought, well, I love this concept of buying property. My uncle was a, uh, a Westpac um, bank manager, and he's like, you've got to get yourself into property. You've got, and and he actually taught me the rent vesting philosophy. He's like, well, while you're in this town, you might as well buy something, um, but you don't have to live in it. And and this is how it works. And and at, at age 21, it, it really gave me the concept of, oh, okay, um, the tenant can actually uh, cover the running costs of my property. And and back then. I have to check my my accuracy on this, but I, I'm thinking that interest rates are like seven percent. So we're mm-hmm. sitting here at five percent days, and some of us are freaked out because we've never seen this before, and it's doubled in the last twelve months or so. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was just what it was at the time. Um, so long story short, first purchase was in Horsham. It was actually a joint venture with my sister. And I don't know why, but we invested at 90% loan-to-value ratio. Oh. Funny that. 10% deposit. We put down $3,000 each on a $64,000 property. <laughs> 3200 to be exact. There you go. Uh, so, and it was renting for like $100 a week. So I'm like, okay, um, my maths is okay. Uh, this isn't actually going to cost us anything to hold. It was a, a corner block, a reasonable size, but it needed a little bit of work. So we, we got our hands dirty and we purchased. So 
she was actually living around the area at the time as well and it worked well for both of us to be able to go and get our hands dirty and a few things there on that that property. Um, so that was that was where the property career was launched in um, good old Horsham, country Victoria. Good things come from Horsham, that's for sure. Mm. Now, a couple of questions off the back of that. First things first, I assume it would have been a bit uncommon for rent vesting to be like a no – I don't even think the term rent vesting – really came to light until, what, the past decade maybe and not trying to age you by any means, John, but I assume you were ahead of your time then. <laughs> well, I didn't think so um, because it was my uncle who was telling me this. So I was like, okay, well, he's been around the traps and, and deals with with investors and, and wealth creators on a daily basis coming, coming through the bank, um, which, mind you, he, his two most common – uh, customers were business owners and landholders, whether that be mm-hmm. um, residential or commercial agriculture. So that told me a thing or two as well. Um, but what I did know was that I was the only one buying real estate. A lot of my friends, we, we'd, we'd all live together and bunk in together and play footy together and all that. Um, not many of them were buying uh, property at all. And if they were buying it, they were buying it to live in, but it wasn't high on their agenda. So yeah, I think a lot of the grounding for my uncle was, was critical, but also I started to read a lot of books as well. So the whole rich dad, poor dad sort of, um, journey, um, amongst a heap of other things, but yeah, uh, digressing a little from a research point of view, it was the property investor magazine that you get at the news agency on a monthly basis and that was it. There was no internet back in 1999. Um, well, there might have been, but it wasn't definitely in Horsham. So uh, <laughs> the research was based on who I knew and, and what intel they could give me. And in terms of the location of buying Horsham, you mentioned that's kind of where you landed um, and, you know, your uncle suggested buying and renting it out rather than living it yourself. Do you think that you could have bought better than there or given Horsham was probably quite understated at the time and I imagine what 64K was back then is probably, what, six, seven times? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, interesting <laughs> on a couple of points there. I went back there a, a few years ago and because we still have family and friends back there. So I went back there. I'm like, I want to go and see what this house actually looks like today. And and not a lot had changed, to be honest, um, yep. other than the improvements that we gave it. But I, I wanted to look at the property price and what had actually um, transpired over the what was basically 20 years since I since we had purchased it. And it had basically doubled every 10 years, like they said that real estate used mm-hmm. to do, right? So, but double 64 is only 128 and double 128 is only 256. So, like we're not talking massive dollars still today, uh, but the compounding effect is what excited me. And within two to three years, uh, it had doubled. So, it, it was no... It was a fluke. It was just basically, okay, buy and, and hold. Um, but we did get some uplift in the first couple of years, which was which was cool. Um, but yeah, look, it's today it's um, a 250K property in Horsham and it'll probably rent for $300 a week. So the yield's still relative. Mm. Um, could I have bought somewhere else and got a better return? I think with the money we had and 
I'm come out of uni. I've hardly had a dime to scratch myself. <laughs> so uh, I think we've we did the best of what we had at that time. And that's a message that I give to a lot of investors today. It's like, well, yeah, you could save another three or four years to to buy that million dollar property, but can you get in now at 600, for example, and let the compounding effect and the leveraging effect do its thing in, in real estate? Indeed. I think that's a really um, great point to make. And so many people focus on, you know, what if I have more or what does more look like? But getting in being the fundamental key to real estate, getting in mm. as soon as you can in, in most cases is um, certainly paramount. Did you hold that property for long? Do you still have it? No. Well, this is the other thing. Um, when we go in with joint ventures and I tell everyone this, if you've got to have a clear expectation of what's going on with mm. both sides of the party or if there's more then so be it. We had no agreement written up. Um, I knew my sister, she knew me. We knew each other. We told it how it was and, and we just went with the flow. I wouldn't advise that today. Yeah. Um, however, three years down the track, we're like, okay, this thing's made us some money. I actually moved to Adelaide at that time and, and she also moved and she said, well, let's sell this and let's take our profits because I was about to buy into a, a business at the time in Adelaide. So it was actually a timing thing where, again, it – both work to to sell and take the proceeds and and that actually launched into my my first business so yeah would I have still held that property otherwise probably um, uh, the one thing I do say about rent festing is that I didn't really want to live in that house that we bought like it wasn't the most attractive looking house and I could live in something so much better with two of my mates three of my mates um, in a better part of town. So that's the other thing about the whole rent vesting philosophy. You can choose where you want to live. Yeah, indeed. That becomes a lot more flexible, doesn't it, when you're not bound to a specific location or a time frame even um, as well. It gives you a lot of choice, which is... Yeah, absolutely. Which is the idea. Now, if you were to buy anywhere in the world, and I feel like you're a pretty seasoned traveller as well. You've, you've seen a bit of the world. You? I have. Yeah. yeah, I have. Yes. Where where would you live? And you can't say where you currently are because you love it. <laughs> Outside of where you live, where would you live? You beat me to it. <laughs> uh, where would I live? Well, uh, would I? Where would I invest for for growth and outcome, or where would I actually like to live if it wasn't here? Yeah, no. Where would you like to live? We can get to the investment mm. piece, but just from like a lifestyle piece and where you enjoy being, where would you like to yeah. live? I, I look at. I look at the Scottish highlands and I'm thinking Ooh. I could see myself there. I could see myself with a few sheep and just uh, just roaming the countryside, the green grass. <laughs> um, I, and when I went over there to visit or, or travelled around, uh, I love that part of the world. Um, would I move there? Probably too cold for me, but it's just something that intrigues me and excites me to have um, that sort of outlook, I suppose. Um, and the other one would be, you know, in those American movies where there's like the ranches, like the big yes. um, picket fences and uh, I don't I can't remember a TV show that I saw. The American last, Dream really is what it's sort of the, the picture yeah, perfect American. Right. Yeah, I get what you mean. And I, and I don't, know if it, don't know if it's real or not, but <laughs> yeah, that's another place that I could maybe, uh, yeah, settle down. Nice. And on a more professional note in terms of where you would – currently buy in 2022 for somewhere that has growth? You don't have to name a suburb, but more generally, where would you look? 
not to live, just uh, as somewhere that I could see some growth happening. Yep, some opportunity. Yep. Does it have to be in Australia or can it no, be abroad anywhere. or either or either? Yeah, okay. There's a lot of volatility internationally at the moment, so I'd be hesitant to to go there. Maybe a, a maybe in Bali, some Ooh. sort of villa over there. Um, that because uh, you know how a lot of Bali has um, gentrified a heap over yes. the last twenty years, right? I'd find somewhere over there that hasn't quite done its thing yet, but that's uh, the urban sprawl. It will would occur, and and the price to get in still relatively cheap. I do, I do like uh, I do like Melbourne's north northern suburbs. I th- I still think there's really good value out that way, um, and not just because I'm an Essendon supporter, but <laughs> I think out sort of around that Pasco Vale, um, Ascot Vale area. I think there's when you look at the price of what you can buy there for what you can buy in the southeast. I think there's a, there's a big discrepancy there. I'm with you on that. When you look at the radius from CBD and amenity and everything like that, it's it's massive. The price difference is huge. Yeah. So yes, here here. Hmm. Now we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I've got some more personal but not too personal questions for you um, so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. We'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okie dokie. So, John, obviously you've been in property and around property from a young age, relatively, like when you think about your first purchase coming out of uni, buying in Horsham and now being in the business of property. And just on that note, by the way, John is a buyer's agent, everyone. A lot of people that I have a discovery call with (laughs) get very confused when they say they want to buy an investment property and say, I don't buy investment, but if you came through the podcast, you need to talk to John. A lot of people, it's like it's not a known fact about you, John. So I feel like people need to know that for the sake of knowing it because people are often surprised. So you are a buyer's agent and you have a team of buyer's agents, right? We do. Yes. Correct. Yeah, so no, take note. I don't tell the world. Um, I'll get, get on to marketing about that one. 
Yeah, Cam. Yeah, mm. I think you need to have marketing. It needs to be a known <laughs> fact that you are a BA. Yeah. But, um, but but in yeah. in their in their defence, uh, I've I've always been about education first. Correct. So, not to say that buyers agents don't educate, but my my passion was always teach someone how to do it, and and still is today. But I realised that a lot of people necessarily don't have the time or want or desire to be educated. They just want someone to go and do it for them, um, hence the BA service. But yeah, the, a lot of people would know our business um, f- purely because of that education slash coaching nature of it. Correct. Which is, and so the core business being Solvair, Solvair, yes. does that have a particular meaning to it? Well, I believe it was Latin for solution back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I just made that up or not, but <laughs> that's what I'm running with. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, I don't know if I can Google it in time, but well, do, you do, do, just do, do don't want to like you, you don't want John's life coaching service. Like, <laughs> you've got to have something that's <laughs> a little bit more creative or out there. Yes, uh, the Latin solvere means to loosen or solve. So correct. There loose you go. And yes, we're yep. a loose business. <laughs> there you go. I was right. I haven't uh, haven't checked that out in a while. So that's yeah, that's where it come from. Mm. So if you um, weren't running Solvair um, and being a BA and being in the property space, if you had yeah. your time again, what profession would you love to be in or explore? What what other fields do you enjoy? Oh wow. Um, that's a great question. So I like, well, for, for the long time listeners, they, they would know that I have a passion for AFL, Australian rules football. I I would actually, I, I, I was going to say I wanted to be a, a, an AFL coach, but I know that comes with too much stress and all that stuff that I'm not really interested in at this day and age in, in my <laughs> life where I've got three kids. Um, I, I would actually love to travel the country recruiting footballs. Oh. Right? I'd, uh, I'd, like a, I'd go and watch football games. I'd, I'd watch videotapes. I'd talk to people. I'd, I'd just want to extract the best possible athletes in the country to come and play for a club, my club, whatever it may be. So picking picking talent and having an eye for picking yeah, really good talent yeah. or up-and-coming talent for, for a team. Yeah, talent ID. So I, I coach our under-13s, Max plays in uh, here locally, have an involvement in the senior club um, as well and, and that's that's my passion outside of, of real estate other than my family. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so that's, yeah, probably that's probably something I'd love to do. Love it, mm. absolutely love it. And it's kind of interesting that the skill set of – you know, finding houses and solutions is actually quite transferable to a role like that. Having an eye for detail, an eye for picking really good people out of out of a bunch mm. is, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and I think like it's interesting without expanding too much on that, but I I was one of those people that went through high school not really knowing what I wanted to do, and and I knew that I wanted to do something in sport, but I didn't really know what. Um, I never thought I'd be a, a teacher. Um, uh, this whole sports coaching excited me a little bit, but I didn't know what avenues you would take and whether you could actually gain an income from it. Um, and uh, I sort of got my uni score. I'm like, okay, what can I 
what will that qualify me for? Like none of our family had been to uni. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can get into teaching here. Let's do that and, and have a major in phys ed and um, live live the uni life. And so I sort of rolled into that knowing that, yeah, I love coaching and helping people. Um, but that was just uh, as a byproduct of me getting a uni school. Um, that I probably <laughs> wasn't high enough to do medicine or law or anything like that. So it was never an option. Um, but once I got in there, I realised, yeah, actually, I love this stuff. Um, not so much to teaching, but the ability to to coach and motivate, which led to personal training and running that sort of business. Um, and then, okay, f- when I started to feel burnout from that, it's like, okay, what's next that I'm passionate about? And it had always been property. So that was then the natural progression to go and coach and educate in that space. So yeah, I think, and I, and I say this to everyone today, it's like, well, yeah, you want to go and buy property and you want to build wealth through property, but what's, what's really your driver? What what do you enjoy in life and what do you want to get out of life as opposed to just going through the nine to five, um, just meandering through the week to enjoy the weekend? And, and, I, and I know that the girls have got my millennial career and I think it's a great um, concept to be able to tune into that. Like imagine when I was at uni to be able to listen to that sort of stuff and understand, well, okay, this is what I could do um, in with my life. I agree. I feel like there'll be a point in time where working the nine to five is actually not the norm. You know, I think yeah. we're breaking down so many barriers around those conversations of what a career looks like and what work-life balance looks like and following your passion and and creating a business and certainly My Millennial Career touches a lot on all those. But even just in the My Millennial Money Facebook group, I often see posts on there of people debating changing their nine to five or having a career change in, you know, their late 30s and actually following their passion and going along with what they actually get fulfillment out of, which is really, really interesting and inspiring to watch, actually. It's it's amazing. Yeah, Um, it is. Yeah, I think it's it's great that people can do what they love. And make a living out of it. I mean, what better what better way to live? Yeah, well, you, you just wake up enjoying every day. And I, I suppose without sounding like like a bit of a knob, but <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I rarely wake up not looking forward to the day and, and a lot of people around me aren't in that position. Um, and I think, well, you can get yourself into that position where you feel as though you are enjoying every day. It doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy and uh, and there'll never be any obstacles, but conceptually speaking, you enjoy what you're doing, trading your time for money. Agree. And when did you actually start the property business, you know, being in coaching and mentoring around finance and property? Yeah, so it was around 2011 where um, it coincided with, as I said, selling the personal training business and um, Amy and myself moving to the Central Coast and that was basically a, a time where I said, right, peg in the sand, this is what I'm going to turn turn my hand to. Um, but I suppose when did I actually start doing it just by talking to friends and family about what they're doing and how we're generally helping them. You know how you just like your friends say, oh, you've got an interest in this. Can you help me with that sort of stuff? Like definitely not on the payroll by any means, but it was just, a, um, yeah, it was a natural progression, but officially 2011, yeah. Definitely. And look, mm. it's a space that's growing, right? Like I think 2011 probably would have been a time where talking about a property strategist or a property coach probably would have been a new concept to a lot of people. Did you find that it was something that mm. you had to work hard on the marketing and the angle of what you actually do? 
Yeah, totally. I think uh, it still is today. Like I don't, like when you look at real estate agent, um, buyer's agent, th- those two terms are reasonably or well, very common, like real estate agent, absolutely. Buyer's agent, yeah, used to be, as you mentioned, like rich and famous and, and sort of only the, the privileged get to use a buyer's agent. Now it's really common nature for, for a lot of people just to um, include that in their in their uh, team of people. But like property coach, um, property educator, what, what do you even call yourself? And what does that coaching involve? Like, um, where do you start and stop? You're not a mortgage broker, you're not a real estate agent, you, you, you're not a buyer's agent, you just teach people to go and do it themselves. Like, how do you even label that stuff? So yeah, you're right. It's And it, it still has its, uh, I suppose, question marks today as to what, um, what, the, what the role entails. But I think it's a really important one and it's a one that sort of sits in the middle of a lot of different things too that can be a solution. Like it, they are questions that mortgage brokers aren't licensed to answer. They're questions that financial planners, you know, property being a product that can't actually specifically advise on, that's a solution. Um, but then people who want to be empowered to do it themselves, like it is this really niche middle ground that you've found that actually connects all the dots of every other service that I think will be more and more popular over time, yeah. Look, who knows? I think um, it much easier if you. And, and I'm actually coaching, um, training uh, four guys at the moment um, to enter the industry, which I'm I'm quite excited about and and really enjoy. And and one of those is uh, in the education department at the moment and looking to transition out like he's a perfect fit for being that property coach if you want to call that um as opposed to the the buyer's agent so yeah it's it's again coming back to where you where your passion lies just on that note because i'm sure there's people that tune in that are like property nerds property fanatics that listen to every episode every wednesday i met some at the um at the melbourne show they're like we, <laughs> yes. we've bought our property but we still listen every wednesday morning when it comes out which just warms my heart to know that people actually tune in on weekly and pay attention to the notifications. So thank you to those people. (laughs) But for those people who are thinking about, you know, we love what John's doing, want to do something similar. What would you say are the top three attributes of someone who makes a good property coach outside of obviously liking property? Uh, Yeah, that's really good. That's really good um, (laughs) question to ask. I think you've got to, you've got to be relatable. You've got to have the ability to, to leave your ego at the door and, and, and just understand and listen well to people. And I come back to the the name of our business, Solvair, and I think, well, you've actually got to create solutions. So you've got to listen well enough to be able to look from the outside in without emotion, without ego, without any of that, and provide a solution that's taken into account everything that you've asked of that person. And I think to go a further step, it's it's asking really good questions of those people so you can get a better understanding. And I always remember the, 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 the old uh, accountant meeting. It's like I go in, I give them my paperwork and all of a sudden I've got a tax return done but I haven't learnt anything. And mm-hmm. my accountant's still that today. I'll only learn from my accountant uh, the questions that I've asked for him to give me the answer. If I don't ask him any questions, I still don't learn a thing. So I think the, the knowledge is in the question asking. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, having the patience as well to 
you know, put your opinion aside or your thoughts aside while someone is trying to communicate what they're after or what they need help with is also pretty handy in the process. Yeah, totally. If you've got to absolutely um, do that. And, and I, I think, and, and I definitely don't know it all and, and never will, uh, but being 20 years in the property space of buying and selling property myself personally for my own wealth um, gives me the confidence to back myself in when I provide a solution for someone. And, and yeah. that I think is important. Like, um, like a, a lot of people say, oh, who's, who's qualified? What qualifications have they done? Like, um, in any industry, right? Are they, are they fully qualified? And, and obviously you need to get your ticks and checks and, and make sure that you are the, the real deal, but nothing beats, um, experience in, in a particular industry. Yeah, agree. I've got two closing questions for you before we wrap up. The first one is, what is the best general piece of advice or maybe a particular motto that you live by that you've picked up along the way, whether it's business or personal related? Oh, bits of advice. Um, don't have regrets, I think, is the big one that I, I run with. Like, what's the alternative? If we don't, if we don't, do this and whatever this may be, if you don't do it, what are the uh, ramifications of that? Are you going to be sitting back in five years' time saying, well, I'm still in no better position? Um, So that sort of leads itself to uh, don't die wondering. Like you've just got to get out there and maximise your opportunities out there and and you can never then sit back and say, well, I I didn't give it my best uh, shot and, and... I think if it didn't work out, it wasn't through lack of trying. And for some unknown worldly reason, good things happen to people that do have a go and and Mm. do stick their neck out and, and, um, yeah, live their best life. Take action. I think that's the biggest Mm. thing, isn't it? Don't just sit there. Do something. (laughs) Do. Do. Don't think. Do. Correct. (laughs) And my final question for you is what does John Pigeon's ultimate day look like? Oh, wow. What does that look like? Mm. My family going to be listening to this, do you reckon? I don't know. Do they tune in every Wednesday? Because mine certainly don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, mine definitely don't. (laughs) Uh, Look, I would definitely get up and exercise. That's a non-negotiable, probably from anywhere from four till seven, depending on what it is I'm doing. Oh, gosh, you're brave. Best time, best time of the day when you've got kids because you, they don't know that you've gone and come back, sort of thing. <laughs> um, I would do probably two to three, four hours of work, um, and then I'd probably have lunch with my wife, and then after that, I'd I'd tee off at one o'clock and finish at about three thirty. Um, in a golf cart, that is, because <laughs> I've done my exercise, so I don't need to walk the course. And then I'd go to the 19th and have three or four beers with my good friends and then I'd come home and uh, spend some time with the kids. Living your best life. Love it. Do you yeah, have a day that looks like that? Like do you get a day every now and again that looks like that? We've only just started. I, I said to the guys in the office, I said, we need to have Friday's work from home day, right? Yep. So just don't pressure yourself into coming into the office. And we're pretty flexible work hours here, to be honest. You get the work done, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, 
have some time to that. Does that happen? Probably not so much the golf bit, but <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've got a pretty good balance to be honest. Yeah, definitely, and it's yeah. all about balance, isn't it? At the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Well, thank you for sharing, John. I've um. I found it interesting to just hear a bit more about, I guess, you know, your your opinions, your points of view and, and where you sort of come from as well. I think people who have listened for a long time, like we often talk about topics. Um, we don't necessarily get to know you or I uh, in the process. So hopefully that's given a bit of context about John as a person as well as a professional. Um, and like I said in the middle of the episode, John also does help people buy property. So I think that's really important to know, particularly in the investment space, because we do have a lot of keen investors listening, whether it's a clarity call that's suitable for you, or maybe it's a more in-depth service. Not that this is like a deliberate plug for John, but I just think it's important to know what he actually does because he provides a lot of value. Um, There are links in the show notes to have a little bit of a look. Maybe you've clicked with something John has said today. Maybe you're keen to get into the industry and um, maybe in your next intake of looking at people that you might be training and coaching, there might be someone who's listening that's keen on that. So feel free to reach out to John in the capacity that suits you best, if at all. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed today. It's been nice just to get to know you a bit more. Thank you, Emily, and and thank you for the great questions and and uh, the nice kind words as well. Um, yeah, good to, good to have a not good too yarn, brutal of an interview. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Not, not too hard hitting. We didn't have to say no comment. No, because I know you're interviewing me next. So if I went too hard on you, yes, I correct. would have gotten it back. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, until next week, uh, if you aren't part of the Facebook group, My Millennial Money, definitely go and jump in there for any future questions that you might have for either of us or just more generally about property. But until next week, we will be in your ears soon. All right. Thank you. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 